half-dead man, priest, Levite, Samaritan. Whom should I love? Whom is it okay to hate? To despise? Or at least to ignore? Prostitute. Bureaucrat of an oppressive regime. Revolutionary. <laughs> Rich, corrupt official. Woman. Leper. <laughs> adulterous. Man. Whom should I love? Whom is it okay to hate, to despise, or at least to ignore? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Many of us, I believe, know the story. Maybe not all of us. I'll come to it in a minute. But many of us know the story, the parable. Many of us know the question that prompts the parable. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? But it's not a question in a, in a vacuum, right? It never is. It never is. The very word neighbor, it calls for location. It calls for time and place. And the question and the parable also, they are, they are uttered, they are spoken in time and in space, and they are told by someone. And all of this matters. All of this matters. Now, the parable is told by Jesus. But it comes to us from the telling of St. Luke. And Luke is not just telling this particular story. Luke is telling the gospel. Luke is telling the good news of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this also matters. And it matters more perhaps than we often realize. Because Luke knows this story, the story that we will read. Luke knows this story. And I don't mean simply that Luke learned of this story from the eyewitnesses and the ear witnesses uh, of the event in which this parable comes up. I don't mean simply that Luke wrote it down. No, Luke's knows, Luke knows this story, and he knows this story in his story. He knows this story that comes from the question, who is my neighbor? He knows this story to be gospel. To be gospel that transforms the experience of being a neighbor. St. Luke, who being a Gentile, a non-Jew, writes of this Jewish Messiah. Luke, the gospel writer, who tells the story of the women, 
of the lepers, of the foreigners, of the outcasts, of the children. Luke, who knows that the gospel is for them as well as for the others. Luke, who knows that the gospel is for them together. Luke, who knows that the gospel transforms the reality of the neighborhood. Not only in the sense of location, but most of all of the neighborhood in the sense of relations. So Luke, Luke alone among the gospel writers tells this story. Luke who has known and who has been transformed by the gospel of the neighbor. And we will spend time listening to Luke this semester here in OIC. We have actually already started and Luke has been our storyteller. <laughs> for the time of Advent and Christmas and for our New Year service last, last Sunday. We've been listening in on Luke for a while already. And we will stick to him, we will stick with Luke, and throughout these coming months, we will hear more about the gospel of the neighbor, which is what we have called our semester theme. But first, we need to hear this story and this parable. And we need to hear why it's powerful enough that we have decided to officially launch our time with St. Luke by looking into it. And here's how Luke tells this story. It's in Luke 10, from verse 25, and I read from the New International Version. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? 
The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. A lot, a lot can and has been said about this parable. Parable of the Good Samaritan as it came to be known. A lot have been said about the context of its telling. And I'm not going to do a deep dive into the parable today, but what I do want to do is, is to call our attention to a couple of details that I believe are really important to our understanding of what Jesus is getting at here and of what Luke is trying to convey when he's telling this story as he tells us the gospel. And the first detail is that Luke tells us that the expert in the law asks his question, who is my neighbor, that he asks the question because, and I quote, he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. And this is important because apparently this man was not trying to figure out how to live best in the perspective of eternity. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How does the perspective of eternity affect my life now? That's the starting question, right? But this man asked this question, who is my neighbor, to justify himself. So apparently he was not trying to figure out how to live best in the perspective of eternity. What he was after was a way of justifying how he lived in the perspective of eternity. And those are very different things. So the fact then that his question is, when trying to justify himself, as Luke says, that his question then is, who is my neighbor? It seems to say something about what he was not willing to change. What he was wanting to justify. It was something, apparently, about the scope within which he should include people in his understanding of God's love and in his understanding of God's love as it applies to God's actions and to his own actions. What's the bare minimum that I can get away with? Now, keeping that in mind, that the question is made in order to justify himself. The other detail that I want to call our attention to, and this is, this is the genius of Jesus when he tells parables, right? Is the way that Jesus plays with the word neighbor and essentially flips it around. And what I mean by this is that Jesus starts with the question that is given to him. Who is my neighbor? But by the end of the parable, he arrives at another question, which was, who was a neighbor to? Those are different questions, right? Who is my neighbor? And he arrives at, who was a neighbor to? So by starting from the question, who is my neighbor, and presenting this expert in the law, 
So a scholar, a man well-versed in the Jewish law and the Jewish interpretation of their scriptures, right? So he starts with this question, who is my neighbor? And starts with presenting the expert in the law with characters that this, this man would easily identify with. A priest that served in the temple. A Levite who served in the temple with the sacrifices and the music and the festivals. Who is my neighbor? And he presents them with these characters. And then he goes on to present a character which was a stereotypical other for this Jewish expert in the law, a Samaritan. And when Jesus go, does that and then flips the question to who was a neighbor to, Jesus leaves this man with two options. He can stick to his own question and he can understand himself or he can be understood by the listener, by us, to be, the one, to be a, one of these self-righteous people that bypass this man who is badly hurt and half dead by the road. Those are, after all, the ones like him. And if we read the parable in this way, then it can be understood to be a critique, a critique to self-righteousness and a critique to religious hypocrisy. Or, he can be understood to be the one who is beaten, half dead, and is in need of help. And in that case, in that case, the parable can be understood as an invitation to compassion. To put oneself in the situation of the other. That's what compassion is all about. Sharing your heart, sharing experience. And I believe that it's on purpose that Jesus does this play with words so that he leaves rooms for these two interpretations. Because one interpretation is about loving. Right? What do we do with this man by the road? Do we respond? How do we respond to this situation? How do we respond to the other suffering? One interpretation is about that. And the other interpretation or the other placement of ourselves within the parable is about how we are loved. How we accept or don't accept. How we are seen or are not seen. And to love and to be loved are profoundly interconnected. And when they are interconnected in the reality of this parable, we see that we are always self and other at the same time. Who is my neighbor? Who are we? And Jesus is helping this man realize that. And more, he is helping him realize that in the context of talking about what were understood as the greatest commandments. 
Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commandments by the experts in the law? And this is how he answers with these same two. And the experts in the law says, agree, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. And in the context of discussing about the greatest commandments, Jesus is helping this man realize how he positions himself in relation to the other, how he loves and how he accepts love. In other words, this is not a side issue. This that this man is trying to justify and set aside, it is not a side issue. This is absolutely central. This has to do with how we understand God's love and how we understand our response to God's love. This has to do with the core of our spirituality and of our understanding of ourselves as children of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. As followers of Christ, we say that we love because God loved us first. So our loving is always a response, even if it is also an act. Love God Love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the final detail I want to call our attention to. All of this would still make sense if Jesus had used just any average Joe to be the one who shows love. Not a Levite, not a, not a priest, but just, you know, a regular Jew on his way back from the festivals. The parable would still work. It would still be about showing love to the one who is suffering and receiving love. To some extent, it would still work. But he didn't. He chose a Samaritan. And that's important. That's important. So much so that to this day, this is known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because Jesus makes a point out of saying that he's a Samaritan. And Luke makes a point out of telling us that this is a Samaritan. And why? Why is that? And here's what I think. I think it's because Jesus wouldn't allow the expert in the law and he won't allow us to set our limits, our borders on where love and kindness end. If Jesus had used just an average Jew, speaking to a Jew in the context of first century Judaism, right? If he had just used an average Jew, hypocrisy and self-righteousness would do their thing again, as they do, and we would find arguments like, 
Well, what this means is that we cannot make exception within the Jewish community. Right? Everyone is everyone's neighbor and need to love each other within these boundaries. Have you heard that? Love your neighbor as yourself within the Jewish community. Love your neighbor as yourself within the Christian community. Love your neighbor as yourself within the white community. Love your neighbor as yourself within the Western community. Love your neighbor as yourself within these boundaries of ethnicity, of culture, of skin, co uh, skin color, of gender, and so on and so forth. But it's not an average Jew. <laughs> it's a Samaritan. It's a Samaritan. And the Samaritans were the stereotypical other for this first century Jew expert in the law. It was a Samaritan who helped and loved, and more, it was a Samaritan who in spirit and in truth fulfilled the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. Agree, agree. So let's talk about who is a neighbor. Who was a neighbor? The Samaritan. So we don't get, we don't get to set up our boundaries on whom we are supposed to love and who it's okay not to. The gospel that Luke is telling us, the gospel of the neighbor, <laughs> the gospel that talks to how we deal with our neighbor and how we make ourselves neighbors to the other, is the gospel of the love of God who is for all and transforms our relations to all. Who is my neighbor? Is there anyone I get to leave out? Now Luke is not saying that this happens automatically. Luke is not saying that this is easy. There's nothing easy about helping a half-dead man on the side of the road. There's nothing easy about being that half-dead man on the side of the road. Jesus is not, Luke, Luke is not saying that this happens overnight. Oh, he knows. He's a second-generation Gentile believer. He's one of those 
about whom the council in Jerusalem are discussing how much part of this can he really be. But Luke is telling us that the gospel has the power to transform these relations. And not only has the power, but gives us the calling to do it. Luke is telling us that this gospel tells of the love of God for us in a way that transforms our love for the others. And it tells us of the love of God for the others in a way that transforms how we understand God's love for us. Luke is inviting us, I believe, to walk with Jesus in this hard, long walk of translating this into actual neighborhoods and actual relations. Into doing the hard work of asking, who is my neighbor? Not to justify ourselves. But to be transformed by the gospel and to be part of the transformation that the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth brings to this world we live in today, to this time and space where neighborhoods are conflicted, where the world is quicker to war than to peace, where we are quicker to judge than to listen, where the algorithms create hate and we just ride a wave. Where we're every day scared of the stereotypes we set on others and raging about the ones that are set on us. Sometimes we read the Bibles and it's hard to know what does this mean for me today? This one, it ain't hard to know, but it's a hard road to live. But then again, Isn't that the love that transforms us and makes it so that we can be called children of God? Isn't that the freedom? Isn't that the gospel? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and may you know that he is gracious towards you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you.
into the reality of your lives, of your neighborhood, of your relationships. May he bring you peace and the willingness and the ability to love. And so go, go in peace, go in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and serve the Lord and serve the world and serve each other joyfully.